Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Deuteronomy chapter 32 and reading for our text three words from verse 52. Thou shalt not. The whole verse reads, Yet thou shalt see the land before thee, that is, Moses shall see the land of Canaan, but thou shalt not go thither unto the land which I give the children of Israel. It is when God says no. Here was Moses that really wanted to go into the land of Canaan, and God said no. You know, these words, thou shalt not, they appear some 240 times in the word of God. Only 22 of them in the New Testament, all the others in the Old Testament. Of course, we've read the Ten Commandments, and all of them except one, have a thou shalt not, in those commandments. The only one that hasn't is the first commandment with promise, which is honour thy parents, honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee. Sometimes the Lord directs his people in a positive way, in saying light to Abraham, to go out from the earth of the Chaldeas and into the place that he would tell him of. Sometimes it is like with Elijah, told specifically to go to the brook Cherith, and then when that brook dried up, to go to Zarephath. But many, many times what the Lord gives is a thou shalt not. When we think of our first parents, that were given the commandments of God and specific that they should not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. And they went against that no of the Lord. They went against the Lord's thou shalt not. And then we read as the law is and brought forth in written form on Mount Sinai again and again, the Lord saying, Thou shalt not. And really, it is one of the greatest tests of faith and of our obedience to God is when God says no, and if it's something we want to do, something we want to go, and especially as fallen creatures, those who have already transgressed and want to go our own way, then it is a real evidence of grace when all of us want to go one way and the Lord says no, and we submit and we bow before that. It's an easy thing when everything is going our way, but when that is crossed by one as the Lord who does have authority, and we think of our Lord as our Heavenly Father, you children, you have an earthly father, and many times you'll hear him say no, or your mother say no, you're not to do something. And it is a real test then of our obedience. 
when something is forbidden that we want to do. When I look over my life and I can see many times that the Lord has said no, I think of in calling by grace when my desire was to go the way of the world, was to leave the church, to not have anything to do with God. And God said, no, you're not going that way. You're going my way. And he chose the way. And his no to my designs was greater than my no to walk in his ways. And then I think through life, those times that I was seeking employment and the Lord says, no, not that job, this one. The times that we were looking for a house and the Lord said no and stopped up one way and then another way. The times when it has been uh, looking for a partner in life, a wife or a husband, in my case a wife, and the Lord said no. And we bless the Lord for those times when he has, as we ventured in life's journey, and the Lord said no. He may have found it very hard at first, but then looking back, we can see the Lord's goodness and blessing for such a word. And so I want to look at this word, and when we think of our Lord Jesus Christ, he fulfilled the law, all those thou shalt not. The Lord never broke any of those. He fulfilled the law of God, was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And when we think of our Lord's temptations in the desert, when Satan is saying, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones that they may be made bread. No. In effect, the Lord was in every time not going Satan's way, resisting him, saying no to that, and yet to his Father's will, obedience even unto death, the death of the cross. He didn't resist that. He went, went to the cross and suffered for his people, a willing offering and sacrifice. And we see the same in the type with Isaac. You think, surely Isaac, when he knew his father was intending to bind him and sacrifice him, he would have said no, but he didn't resist. He was obedient, and no doubt, through faith. So I want to look at three points this morning. Firstly, to notice that no is as much a direction from God, yea, we may say a command, as yes is. And then secondly, seven examples from Scripture when God has said no, and one of them, of course, will be the situation here with Moses. And then thirdly, how we are to know when God says no to us. How are we to discern it and to hear that voice of the Lord? So I want to look then first at no is as much a direction from the Lord as yes. And in fact with the 
Ten Commandments, thinking of them, that no is very, very clear. It's not a indirect or a ambiguous statement. It is a very clear prohibiting of certain actions and ways. It is the very clear law of God. Sometimes we might have the laws of man and we, we can't work them out. In fact, the laws of our country very often are not discerned by those even that make them. They wait until a test case comes to our courts and they decide what is actually being said and done. But our Lord is very, very clear of what is prohibited and what is a very clear no. We can have an assurance when we know that our God can and does say no, that when he doesn't, then we may realise that this is his will. Now obviously we mustn't test God or provoke God, but if we think with your children, if you know your parents say no for things that are wrong, and you might have several things you try and do, and the answer is no. But then you pick up a new toy or an ornament or something in the house, and your parents are silent. They don't say anything. So you'll, you'll keep doing that. And it's not something you've been forbidden to do, told not to do, and, and you're doing it, and there's no stopping of it. And the immediate thought is, well, this then is all right because I'm not being stopped from doing it. And in that way, knowing the Lord's no's can confirm the Lord's yeses. When we have been stopped and stopped and then there is an open door, the open door is then more clear because of the contrast. The Lord speaks of this with his silence as a proof of something in John 14 when the Lord says in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you and so he is saying this is what actually is so there are many mansions there my silence that it is not the case tells that it is so it confirms it Sometimes we might be troubled by the Lord's silence. But in that case, the Lord says his silence is assuring it is so with us. We mentioned right at the outset how much of a test of our faith and trust in another, in the sovereign God it is, when the Lord is saying no, when what we really want is yes. And really it's a great blessing when the Lord tries our faith and tries our trust in the Lord in that way. And I think we'll see from some of the examples of those times when it's been clearly seen, the people of God submitting to the Lord and other times when they would not at all and went right against his no. But may we always remember this, 
No is as great a direction as yes. It is as a clear answer from the Lord as yes. Though it might not be what we want, yet still it is an answer and it is clear. I want to look then secondly at some of those examples in the scriptures. Try to take them in some order. After the flood, the Lord gave Noah and his descendants a command. And that was that they should go into the world, replenish the earth and fill it. The Lord's purpose was that they should spread out and fill the earth. But then we read them coming into the valley of Sinai and building the Tower of Babel. And they built that tower with the expressed purpose so they were not spread through the earth, so they weren't scattered, so they had a place to come back to each time. They didn't get lost. They didn't have maps and sat-navs and means of finding their way back. Imagine placed in a completely strange area uh, and then to think of venturing out and going out. You'd all the time want to know, how can I know the way back? How will I get back? And their device in that way, which was to frustrate what God had said, was to build a tower. And God looked at that tower He looked at what they were doing and in effect he said, no, you're not doing it. And so what did he do? He came down and he confounded their language. They all had one language. They could all understand one another and God gave them all different languages, the languages of the earth. Uh, We might say today, though we know of course many languages have changed over the years, but The confusion of languages was God's way of saying no. It very effectively stopped them from building. The second no is when we really want to do something and the Lord says no. And this is where we come first to Moses here. Moses, God had used him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, to bring them through the wilderness and bring them into the promised land. And he very much wanted to be the one that would lead them into the promised land. There were several times that he pleaded with the Lord that he might be able to do that. The reason why the Lord would not let him is when the children of Israel wanted water, the second time, the first time, the, uh, Moses was told to smite the rock and the waters then flowed out from the rock. The second time, Moses was not told to smite the rock at all. He was told to, to speak to the rock, that it bring forth water. And the children of Israel had stirred up Moses' spirit. They were murmuring, they were complaining. And instead of just speaking to the rock, Moses took his rod and he smote the rock twice. Not only did he smote it twice, he said, must I bring you water out of this rock, ye rebels? 
And the Lord said he did not sanctify his name before the people. He did not put it in a holy way. And there were several things that were really wrong with it. You know, we, we can do something. If someone wants something, we can give it to them and give it to them in a nice way. Or we can give it to them in a very begrudging way. Must I give you this? If you really want it, here it is. You have it. And it, it, it's, they're still getting it. And the children of Israel still got the water. But they got it in a way that almost conveyed that God would give it to them, but very reluctantly, very angrily. Well, God never gives the gospel in that way. It's not reluctantly. The Lord willingly laid down his life. Even those on the cross, the Lord said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The Lord does not begrudge what he gives to a rebellious people. And when he shows mercy, he shows mercy in a gracious, a kind and a loving way. Uh, he's very clear on that. The other thing with Moses, of course, the rock was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ being smitten at Calvary. He was only to be smitten once. There was only one sacrifice for sin, not two. Our Lord's Supper is a remembrance service, it's not a, another sacrifice. So when Moses smites the rock, even once again, he's smiting it once too much, to smite it twice is destroying the type and picture of our Lord Jesus Christ as a smitten rock. And the Lord was very clear then, because he had done this, he was not going to go into the promised land. You would think a man so great, so mighty, a leader like that, why didn't the Lord turn a blind eye to it? Why did he insist that he would not allow him to do it? We have another type, of course, and that is Moses sets forth the law of God. The law by Moses came, but grace and truth come by Jesus Christ. And so it is Joshua or Jeshua or Jesus that brings the children of Israel into Canaan. It is by the law is the knowledge of sin, but it is through the Lord Jesus Christ that he brings his people into heaven. So underlying the thou shalt not for Moses, there was teaching, there was a time, there was what the Lord is showing us as well. But there must have been a very, very hard thing for Moses to do that. Not even to be buried in the promised land, but to be buried in Moab. With Moab, the Moabites were not allowed to go into the house of the Lord for ten generations. They didn't receive the children of Israel, and that's where his grave is. And no man knows his grave to this day. They weren't to idolise Moses. They weren't to make a big thing of Moses. His grave is hidden. But then we have with David. David, he wanted to build a house for the Lord. He wanted to build the temple. And Nathan, he said, uh, the, Nathan the prophet said, go and do all that is in thine heart. Wouldn't we think it's a right thing, a noble thing to do, to build a house for the Lord? It was a good thing. But God then comes to Nathan in the night and he says, no. David is not to build the house of God. 
Why? Because he has shed much blood. His son Solomon should build it. So David was permitted to prepare for it, to gather the uh, material for it, but he was not to build it. And, you know, at the same time, the Lord told of great blessing for David in years to come. I believe David saw in what the Lord was telling him about Solomon, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ of his peaceful kingdom, his great kingdom. And he says, is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Is this the manner of Christ? Is this the manner of the seed of David that shall come? Looking past Solomon and to the Lord Jesus Christ. So David didn't reply against the Lord. He submitted to that. But it was something that he wanted, a good thing. But the Lord said, no, another shall do that, and not you. It is no. So we have those things, and there may be in our lives as well. We think, well, they're good things. They're right things. I want to do them. I want to go that way. But God says no. And may we be like Moses, may we be like David, and to submit and bow before the Lord when he says no. The third one I bring before you, and in a way we've hinted at this, it's when God's no is greater than our no. I'm thinking of Jonah. God said to Jonah to go and preach to Nineveh that in 40 days that city should be destroyed. And in effect, Jonah said, no, I'm not going. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to take a ship. And this is my no to the Lord. It's like the... You children, if a parent say to do this or to do that, and you say no, well, whose no is going to prevail, yours or your parents? Whose no is going to be the one that wins the day? Is it going to be Jonah or is it going to be the Lord? Well, the Lord, he sends out a wind. And the waves and the wind make it so strong that the rowers can't bring the ship to land. They have nothing more to do. And Jonah is convinced of what he's done wrong. He tells the mariners how he is running away from the Lord, said no to the Lord, and tells them to take him up and to cast him into the sea. And they do. And the sea immediately ceases from its raging. But God had provided and prepared a a fish to swallow up Jonah. And so Jonah is three days in the whale's belly. Another one of those things that God said, our Lord said, that no sign shall be given to this generation but the sign of Jonas the prophet. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, Jonah was delivered up. The Lord spoke to the fish. It vomited him out on dry land. And Jonah then went and he preached to the Ninevites. And the Lord gave them repentance. And then Jonah, he wanted the Lord to destroy the Ninevites. But the Lord would not listen to Jonah. The Lord had given repentance and he would not 
take that back. But we see in the account of Jonah, when even one of God's people, he wants to go one way, he doesn't want to go the Lord's way, he says no. And then the Lord says, no Jonah, my no is stronger than yours, and you will do my bidding, you will do my will, and you will go and preach to the Ninevites. Sometimes it is not in word, but in providence and in deed that the Lord speaks no very loud. And it was so with Jonah. Jonah did not get where he wanted to go. He could not run away from the Lord at all. But the fourth one is when we pray for something which is contrary to God's will. You remember the Apostle Paul was given the great blessings of the visions into the third heavens and he was given then a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet him. And he prayed three times that that thorn be taken away. But the Lord in effect said no, he would not take away that thorn. He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so there may be with us as well. We have this thorn, we have this thing we do not want in our life, an affliction or a trial or a circumstance. And we pray and pray and we ask that the Lord take this away and the Lord change it. And the Lord in effect says, No. I'm not giving you your request. I'm not doing what you want me to do. The answer is no. Well, with the Apostle Paul, when he realised the blessing of grace, he said, much rather then will I rejoice in my infirmity. When I am weak, then am I strong. Many times with the Lord's nose, the Lord's people are thankful for them afterwards. They see the Lord's kindness and see the Lord's goodness and feel that the Lord's choice <coughs> is better than theirs when the Lord says no. We go again with the Apostle Paul when he was seeking to preach and go to go in Asia. And we read that the Lord forbade him to preach the word in Asia. That wasn't forever because we have the seven letters to the churches in Asia. So the word was preached there, but not at that time for the Apostle Paul. And then he tried to go into Bithynia and the spirit suffered him not. He found no liberty of spirit to be able to go there. He had two shut doors, venturing, was this the way? Was this the right way? Should he go here or should he go there? And he's no, no. And then he has a, a, a vision, come over into Macedonia and help us, a man of Macedonia. And he immediately realised the Lord was calling him to go and preach the word in Macedonia. And so the apostle knew as well in direction what it was to have a no as well as a yes. And in that case, the contrast, the two no's followed by the yes, made the yes even more clear. God was able to stop something. He was able uh, to prevent it happening 
And therefore there's that encouragement in a venturing of the thing. If this is not right, we have a God that will, that can stop it. The next one is, is a sad one. It comes at the end of the children of Israel when uh, they were nearly to be taken into captivity or some had already been so uh, and others left in the land. It is in Jeremiah and where it is most solemn is that they sent to Jeremiah asking whether they should go down into Egypt or not. And we read in Jeremiah 42 and verse 3 that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. And Jeremiah says, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. And their answer was, then they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us, if we do not even according to all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And then we read that the Lord was silent to Jeremiah for, for ten days and then when he did speak, then he had to bring the word to them and say to them, uh, Go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. He says in verse 19 of chapter 42, A very clear no. Go ye not into Egypt. And then he tells them something, something that God knew and revealed to Jeremiah, for ye dissembled in your hearts. That they were deceiving the Lord. They weren't really saying honestly that they'd do everything the Lord had said. Their words outwardly were different than what was in their heart. Outwardly they were saying, we will obey the Lord, we'll do everything the Lord says. Inwardly they were saying, we'll only do it as long as as it's what we want. As long as it goes along with our will and our will, then we will do what the Lord says. But if it's not, then we're not going to do it. And the Lord knew that. He can see our motives. He can see when we're praying, when we're asking of him what we're really wanting, what we're really asking. Whether we are neutral, whether we just want God to be a puppet, just to rubber stamp what we want to do. He says, Ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God. And according unto all the Lord our God shall say, So declare unto us, and we will do it. He told, said that to them. Now, you look at the next chapter, chapter 43 and verse 2. Then spake Azariah, the son of Hoshiah uh, and Johanan the son of Korea and all the proud men saying unto Jeremiah thou speakest falsely 
The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there, but Barak the son of Neriah setteth thee on against us, for to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans. And so now they're saying that Jeremiah is not bringing a right word from the Lord. And we read the solemn word, And all the people obey not the voice of the Lord to dwell in our land. And thou shalt not, most solemn one, where a people profess to be ready to hear a no, but when it was no, then they made out the no wasn't coming from the Lord at all. Well, the last one I bring before you is the no when we are not to resist with carnal weapons. And this is the scene in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, with our Lord being taken by the band of soldiers. And Peter, he had a sword and he cut off the servant of the high priest's ear with the sword. But the Lord says to him, No, put up thy sword within its sheath. Uh, the cup which my father hath given me to drink, shall I not drink it? Peter was trying to use those carnal weapons, a sword and spear. The Lord says to him, Thinkest thou not that I can may pray my father, he'd presently give me twelve legions of angels. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? And so the Lord is directing Peter and those of us that hear the word that there is a way, a right way, to resist evil, to walk through this world. God's people will have tribulation. They will be persecuted. They will walk in ways that men will rise up against them. But the scripture is very clear about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And I believe the very reason why Peter had to have those swords because the Lord had directed them to bring them was for this lesson. And of course the Lord then healed the servant's ear, worked that miracle right there in the garden of Gethsemane. So we have these occasions in Scripture, very important times and no doubt many others. You're able to go from our gathering Today, and when you read the scriptures, find other occasions where God has said no. And think of that also relating to our own life. So in view of that, I want to look in the third place how we are to know when God says no. In the Old Testament, God spoke through his prophets He spoke sometimes directly to his people. In these last days, he has spoken unto us by his Son. He still says no, and we should be able to rightly discern and know the Lord's voice. Remember our Lord says in John 10, My sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me. You should know what it is to hear his voice. Whether it is, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand or turn to the left, or whether it is, no, 
and a stopping word. So how do we know? Well, the first way, the most important way, is by the word of God. We have before us in the Bible the inspired, infallible word of God. And it is through the word of God that God speaks to his people. So it is when we read it, we've read the Ten Commandments this morning, when we read the word of God, we read when God is saying no. We don't need any revelations, we don't need any other special direction or guidance when we have the word of God prohibiting something and saying no. We should be very clear, the Lord speaks to us through his word. Sometimes it is when we have been reading the word of God. I remember when I had, and he's in a temporal thing, uh, traded in a car, then regretted that car being sold, and I had it in my mind to go and get it back at auction. And sitting at my breakfast table, and a time for reading and prayer, and I felt so churned up in my mind uh, about this and fully intending to go and to get this back, car back. And then I looked down at the word that I had open to read, and there ran a time to get, a time to cast away, and the words around that text. And he stopped it immediately. It was an authoritative word for me, and it was a no, and it stopped me from proceeding any further in what I was intending to do. And so applicable to, to my case. And the Lord speaks to us in that way, when the word exactly meets what we are walking in. Sometimes it will be when it is preached. We may have things going on in our mind, churned up and wondering whether to do this or that and the preacher brings the text and brings the very situation to us and sometimes it is that the preacher doesn't know our path at all other times it is that he does and he brings the word to actually address that situation that he knows the flock is going in Sometimes it is when he's brought to remembrance. The Holy Spirit is the remembrancer. He shall bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I've said unto you. So it may be we've gone from the house of God, we've heard the word preached, or perhaps we've read the word of God a day or so before, and then we're in a new situation, in a situation that we're wanting to go in, and the word is brought to our mind so clearly and it is the Lord's no to us that time when I was making out my timesheet over here working for Australia and that month I hadn't made enough hours and it came into my mind well you need the money this month you just put your normal hours you just make it up the next month no one will know and that came into my mind as quick as that to design to really deceive and write falsehood. How could I presume to even have another month employment? But as soon as that thought came in, the word of God came in. A poor man is better than a liar. 
And he stopped it straight away. The Lord's no, you don't do that. And it was through the word of God. Another time it will be with our conscience. Conscience, that still small voice that you can't, you can't quieten, you can't push down. When the Lord converted Paul on the Damascus road, he said to him, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You say, we weren't told, what are those pricks? Was it not times that Paul heard things that the Lord's people said, heard what Stephen said, and before he died and was stoned, they laid their clothes down at his feet, at Paul's feet, saw the Tarsus' feet. Those pricks, maybe it is right. Maybe Jesus is the Christ. Maybe is the Messiah. Not a conviction all at once, but just those doubts and that who can tell. But conscience is a, is a great blessing. May we never tread on our conscience. May we never resist it or, or have a seared conscience so that it ceases to, to speak to us. One of the things that in the Word of God, conscience is to be really, really guarded as tender. The Apostle speaks of, of those that are weak in the faith and those that are strong those that can eat meats and those that cannot. And he doesn't want those that know that they can now eat anything to wound the conscience of those that feel that they can't eat some things and they mustn't. He said, don't force them. Don't wound their conscience. Don't force them to go against their conscience. Whatsoever a man uh, esteemeth to be sin, it is sin. And, and we are then to be careful for ourselves to be tender and uh, not to also wound the conscience of another. Remember years ago at um, uh, one of our chapels, I won't see which one it was, but uh, nearly all of the members, they wanted to tape the services. But one church member felt that to use a tape recorder and to tape the services was wrong. And you know that church, they respected that man. They did not want to wound his conscience, and so they didn't. And before he died, he did change, and he did allow it that they were doing. But the principle is there in that way, that whereas there's Lord's dear people have got a tender conscience, be very careful not to just push over it, tread over it, and force that person be doing something when all the time within is saying, this is not right, I'm not comfortable, I'm not happy doing and walking in this way. It is God's still voice. Another way is when we are told by others, when others uh, are pleased to bring the word of God. We've known what it is to uh, uh, have plans to, to do something and... Well, before we were married, actually, to we were going to go for a holiday together. Yes, stay in separate rooms, but we had someone come to us and they said to us, "Look, this this is not good. This is not sending a good witness at all. It is is not a good message." And we listened to that. We were thankful. It was the Lord's way of saying to us, "No." Don't do it. We've never forgotten it. But 
it is a good thing, and sometimes it's very, very hard for the Lord's dear people, when they see another walking contrary, to pluck up courage, to be able to say from the Scriptures, look, I, I feel that this is wrong, you shouldn't do it. But it's a good thing when it is done. And I've had it several times where the Lord's people have spoken, especially if you have got a pastor or an elder or those that fear the Lord that are able to, to speak in that way. How do we know then when the Lord says no, primarily by the word of God brought to us in those means? The second word, say, is by a restraint of spirit. We mentioned about the Apostle Paul not being able to go into Bithynia. God's people are made willing in the day of his power. But there's sometimes, and especially I've found this in uh, when we're seeking to buy a house or so, uh, it seemed right, it wasn't against the word of God, but found no freedom of spirit to make the move, to actually sign the documents and to uh, make, the, make the step. And so the Lord speaks in a no in that way, same as the Apostle Paul knew it, a restraint upon our spirit. The third way is by providence. We mentioned about Jonah with providence, but providence stopping us from doing something that those of you here, you've known in these last weeks where a car breakdown has been the Lord's way of stopping you from doing something. You couldn't push past it. It was a very effective way of saying no. When we wanted to get together for a family photograph and, a, and an accident, an injury, very firmly stopped that getting together that we wanted to do. The Lord's way of saying no. Why? We may not tell why, but it was very effective. And the Lord uses providence in that. And providence in what I think it was Thomas Watson said he'd much rather rely on guidance by providence than words spoken to us or feelings and uh, words given in that way. He said we can easily be mistaken like that. We can hear what we want to hear. But you can't argue with providence. When the car breaks down, you can't go further when things happen that stop us in our tracks, you, you can't push past that. And we're to hear the voice of the Lord. We think of uh, Je Jehoshaphat's son uh, and how he tried to build the ships to go to Tarshish to get gold. He was warned of the prophet. He said, don't go. The Lord has broken thy works and the ships were, were broken. And when Ahab's uh, servants wanted to send in the ships. He wouldn't do it. He had heard his lesson and he, he heard the voice of the Lord. So providence, may we listen to the Lord's no in that. And then fourthly, when prayer is not answered in the way that we want, Paul's thorn in the flesh, praying and praying for this thing and the Lord is saying no, Sometimes it is like with Asia, preaching in Asia, no for a season, but afterwards it was right to go. 
But when we're asking for something and the Lord is silent, it can be a time of great exercise, great searchings of heart as to why the Lord is silent. And in a way, it is an answer. It is a, a way that we know the Lord's voice of no. But may we know especially the hedging up of our way by the Lord. Know these things not just in a temperate way, but in a spiritual way as well. Because there are many, many errors, many teachings, many different ways, many things that would lead us astray in our minds, our doctrine, our teach, the teaching of the Lord, the ways of the Lord. And it's a blessed thing where the Lord keeps us in that way. Remember the very first commandments, they relate to God, they relate to his worship, they relate to him alone. When we look at the world, the religious world, how often it is that they're going aside to this and to that, all sorts of different errors, different heresies. And for the people of God, it is their blessing that they have a God that says no, that hedges up the way, that brings them into the narrow way. They do have guidelines. They do have restraints. They do have a, a God that shows them the way. The child left to itself bringeth his mother to shame. The Lord does not leave his children to themselves. One of the great marks of the Lord is to chasten and correct his people. And in effect, that follows when there has been a no, but that no has been not heard or resisted. And the Lord's no is greater than our no. So may the Lord be, please bless this word, be a help to us this morning. May remember our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ who in perfect obedience to his Father suffered to put away our sin. He was obedient. May we be obedient as well. May the Lord bless us with faith in his name and to discern his guidance, his word through our lives, especially when God has said no. Amen.